Good morning, everyone. Welcome to LifeBridge Online. We are so excited that you are watching again on this Sunday morning. And so welcome on behalf of myself. My name is Bruce, and I'm the pastor at LifeBridge. And uh, we're just excited once again to have you guys join us for our online uh, platform here this morning. And so if this is your first time to watch online, uh, or maybe you're not part of our LifeBridge church family, I want you to know that you're welcome, and uh, I'm just counted a real privilege and joy that you're allowing me to come into your home or wherever you may be watching this morning to share God's word with you uh, here today. And uh, perhaps if, if this is your first time, man, we would love to know who you are. And uh, one way you can do that is to fill out the online communication card there in the comment section and just let us know who you are let us know you're watching and uh, for the all of you if you have a prayer need we'd love the opportunity to pray with you pray for you and uh, you can also fill out a prayer need in the uh, online connection card as well and so we appreciate you taking time to do that and like we say every sunday morning i mean we want you to like this we want you to share it out. In fact, why don't you even take a few seconds right now and do that. Hit that like button, hit the share, and share it to your friends. And uh, this is just a great way, easy way for us to get God's Word out to a multitude of people that may never have the chance or take the opportunity to hear the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ that is found in the Word of God. And so we appreciate you liking and sharing. And, uh, you know, this morning, again, we've, uh, as you know, the last few Sundays, we've had music being provided from different people in our church family, and today is no different, and so I am just super excited to uh, have uh, Zach and Sarah Warner. They're going to be uh, providing music along with John Mag and Zach Adrian, and so there's four of them, but you're only going to be able to see Zach as he's kind of going to be leading it, because the others are... Uh, John's playing the guitar, Zach's playing the keyboards, and Sarah's off over here, and she's going to be kind of singing back up a little bit. And, uh, and so we're excited to have them here singing and providing music, and like always, we really do. We hope you appreciate this. We hope it just brings a joy to your heart and lifts your spirit in song. So Zach, come on over. Come to the well that never runs dry Drink of the water, come and thirst no more Come all you sinners, come find His mercy Come to the table, He will satisfy Taste of His goodness, find what you're looking for Jesus is waiting there with all 
glory consumes like fire. What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? Only a holy God. Come and behold Him, the one and the only Christ. I just want to shout and clap and cheer and just praise our Lord that we get to come and worship a holy God. And so thank you very, very much for coming in, providing such wonderful music to just lift our souls and focus us on a holy God that has redeemed us and saved us. And we're so grateful for that. I hope you have your Bibles with you. And, uh, and so grab your copy of the scriptures, and would you turn with me again to the book of Ruth. We're going to be continuing in our series. This is now uh, the fourth Sunday in our series, and we're in Ruth chapter 1. And, uh, and we're going to be reading here in verses 14 through 18 of Ruth chapter 1. And so follow along there in your own Bibles there as I read. It says, Then they... Lifted up their voices. And the they there is these three grieving widows that we've already learned about in the story of Ruth. That is Naomi and her her two daughters-in-law. 
all three of them have left, lost their husbands. They've all died. And so now they are grieving with sorrow. And so it says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Verse 15, And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Would you bow your heads with me? And let's just ask God to meet with us in a special way here this morning as we continue in the book of Ruth. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can... They really, you meet with us. And even though we are a scattered church, we thank you by the power of your word and the power of your spirit that, Lord, we can be impacted still in our homes and wherever we may be this morning. And so meet with us. Speak to us through your word here. Use me in communication of your word. Help me to speak by your authority and by the power of your scriptures. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, if this pandemic that we are in uh, it's taught us anything. It has taught us that life is full of disappointment. And I'm sure that you have experienced your own disappointment in the last 10 weeks or so as we have been in lockdown and through the stay-at-home orders and, you know, life has just been turned upside down. And so right now I'm sure you can think of a few disappointments in your own life. I just want to share quickly here Three disappointments that from my own family experience that we have encountered as a result of this pandemic. And the first of which is my youngest son, Jack. Uh, He's a senior this year. And so like a whole lot of other seniors, this 2020 senior class, Jack was supposed to actually walk the line today and graduate. And of course, that's not happening. Disappointing, to say the least. And uh, in fact, his, his graduation party was supposed to be yesterday. That got obliterated, and we're now hoping that all of this will take place sometime in July. They've actually set a date at the school where he attends, and we'll see if that happens or not. But like uh, thousands of seniors, disappointment with the cancellations of proms and graduations and you name it. Not to mention, for this particular senior class, with our group of seniors here at LifeBridge, we just learned that Student Life Camp is now canceled. A great disappointment, to say the least, for these seniors. And then my own other son, Tyler. As most of you know, he was supposed to get married this coming Saturday. Well, due to the pandemic, that got postponed. Although he did have a small intimate ceremony last month in April, um, where just the two, me and Darla and her mom and dad were present. And uh, just a small intimate ceremony But it's not quite the same as you build up and you plan for a big ceremony and reception. And so disappointment. And yes, they are still planning to have a celebratory ceremony and a big reception in July. And hopefully that will come to fruition. But again, it's a disappointment that our family has experienced. And then on a little lesser scale, uh, 
our family vacation. Last March, during spring break, we were supposed to go out to Colorado, which we actually did. We traveled to Colorado for a ski trip. We're there on Saturday night. We had checked into our condo. We, we uh, got our skis and our boots, and we're ready to hit the slopes on Sunday and the rest of the week and go skiing. And we're at dinner, and we learn at dinner on Saturday night. Our phones start going off with notifications that the governor of Colorado had shut down all the ski resorts for that week and ongoing. Jack and I sat there in the restaurant, and we literally lost our appetite. We only finished about half of our meal, and we really didn't even want to eat the rest of it. We were so disappointed. And so life is full of disappointments. Why? Because we are living in a fallen world. And so none of us are immune to disappointment in life. And the book of Ruth is teaching us that. It is actually showing us, though, if you want to find hope in a fallen world, then we need to turn to God. Why? Because as we're learning through this book, God is at work even in the worst of times, even in the darkest times of our lives. Now, we've already seen, too, this was a hard, hard lesson for Naomi to learn. In fact, she was learning this lesson the hard way as a grieving widow who felt like God had now abandoned her in Moab. And who could blame her after all? Think about it. After a famine in her hometown of Judah, in this town of where they lived with Bethlehem. And then they moved to Moab and there she experiences the death of her husband. And then ten later she experiences the death of of her two sons. And so Naomi's heart is filled with devastating grief and disappointment, which brings us to a universal principle that we looked at last Sunday. And that is our own response to disappointment in life will oftentimes determine our walk with the Lord. Now, from this first chapter, we discover that there are really several ways in which people respond to disappointment in life. Last Sunday, we looked at how Naomi responded, and she responded to her disappointment with despair, which is what happens when you begin to focus on all the emptiness in your life, and and then the residual bitterness that flows out of that, and you forget God's graciousness and his goodness that is at work even in spite of all that. Now, this morning, we're going to look at Orpah and Ruth's response to their own personal disappointment in life. And so what do these two widows now show us? Well, here's what we're going to learn. Their response shows us that our devotion to the Lord is seen in what we do and what we say. Now, imagine the scene with me. You have these three grieving widows. And they are somewhere on the road between Moab and Bethlehem. Naomi hears how God has visited his people again in giving them bread in the promised land, in Judah, and even specifically in the town where she's from, in Bethlehem. And so the famine where she, her home is now over. And once again, there is food in the land of Judah. And so Naomi decides to leave Moab. And she does so with her daughters-in-law, each of them with broken hearts and broken dreams. But while Bethlehem had once been Naomi's home, it was never Ruth and Orpah's home. 
So what would these women do? Should they go back to Moab? Or should they follow Naomi back to Bethlehem? How will they respond to their own disappointment, their own grief, their own sorrow in life? Well, that's what I want us to look at this morning. So let's unpack it. And here's the first response that we can choose, we can respond with. Like Orpah, we can respond with desertion. With desertion. Now, before we talk about Orpah, how many of you have been thinking in the back of your minds that her name sounds an awful lot like a popular TV personality? Well, you're right. Because Orpah is actually Oprah Winfrey's real name. Here's her story in her own words. I quote, I was born in rural Mississippi in 1954. I was born at home. There were not a lot of educated people around, and my Aunt Ida chose my name from the Bible. So it went down as Orpah on my birth certificate. But people didn't know how to pronounce it. So they put the P before the R in every place else other than the birth certificate. On the birth certificate, it is Orpah. But then it got translated to Oprah, and so here we are. Now, Orpah, and I hopefully don't confuse it with Oprah, Orpah started out with Naomi and Ruth on the road back home to Bethlehem. But she found it surprisingly easy to go back to her own home, to the land of Moab. After all, Moab is where she's from. Moab is where she had grown up. It's what she knew so well. It was the place whose people and whose gods still held so much attraction for her. And so Orpah lifted up her voice and she wept. And then we see what she did. She kissed her mother-in-law and basically said goodbye to Naomi. She went back to her people and to her gods. Orpah, in other words, calculated the cost and decides to go back to Moab. She was sad, yes, about leaving Naomi and Ruth, and she shed tears, and they were real even, but she still chose to go back to paganism. And so tears in her eyes... Orpah responded with, can we say it this way, desertion. She turned her back on Naomi and Naomi's God. And incidentally, what's interesting, she is never mentioned again in scriptures after this. So what do we take away from Orpah's response to disappointment? Well, we can certainly say that she made the easy choice. She did the ordinary thing. She chose the road back home. But in doing so, she also chose the road to emptiness. In fact, notice this here. Orpah shows us that it's actually possible to hear of God's grace and yet turn our backs on God's grace. Think about it with me. Orpah heard about God's grace at work. And she heard it from whom? from Naomi, that God had once again visited his people in giving them bread. And so Orpah now knows God's voice. She heard God's voice, and she knew that God was even speaking to her own soul when she left Moab. Orpah started out, yes, on the road to Bethlehem, but then she does what? She turns and runs back home 
to Moab, where she places her hopes in false gods. You see, Orpah shows us that it is possible to shed Orpah tears and still turn back. But tears are not the same as trust. Listen, we can hear about God's saving grace. We can even shed tears of remorse, but never truly repent of our sin and follow Jesus Christ as our Savior and King. You see, Orpah shows us that it is possible to even come close to trusting Christ and then turn our backs on God. And when she left, she proved she never truly believed in her heart in the one true living God of Israel. Now, what's interesting about this is the New Testament actually has something to say about this. The New Testament book of Hebrews actually warns us about this particular kind of person who, in a sense, tastes the grace of God, but eventually turns away. You can read about it in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. In other words, though, if you've tasted God's saving grace, if you've heard about it, if, if you've been convicted by it, even, and if you're even a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then the warning here is, Don't turn back. Keep trusting God. Keep following Jesus as your Savior and King. In fact, Paul assures us in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God will do his part to preserve us. But we also, as Christ followers, we must also persevere all the way home to glory. In other words, in the words of Paul, we must, according to Philippians 2.16, he says we must hold fast the word of life. We must cling to it. We must embrace it. We must not turn back from it. Hebrews 10.23 tells us, let us, again, hold fast. What? The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised it is faithful. Whoa. So like Orpah, we can respond to disappointment with desertion. But please know, that is a road that leads to emptiness. So how did Ruth respond? Well, like Ruth, this is the way we want to respond. And we can do so with devotion. Not desertion, but with devotion. Now, Ruth, who is she? Well, she's a nobody right now. She's an outsider. She's a Moabite of all things. And there was nothing kosher about Ruth. And so conventional wisdom shouted for Ruth to do the same thing as Orpah. Which seemed like the best way for Ruth to find security and significance once again. But Ruth was not Orpah. And there was nothing conventional about her. And so Ruth determined that she would go with Naomi back to Bethlehem. And so Ruth is standing at the proverbial fork in the road. I can go back to Moab and worship a false god, or I can go to Bethlehem and worship the one true living God. I would submit that this is a bold move by a young woman to go to Bethlehem. After all, do Hebrews like Moabites? 
No. And so what Ruth is doing takes a whole lot of faith. In fact, in many ways, she has greater faith than Abraham. And so why would Ruth respond in this way? What is she thinking? What's going on even in her heart? Well, what's going on is the grace of God is at work in her life and in her heart. And she has now come to trust in the God of Israel. And the work of God's grace is so personal and so mysterious that not even Naomi can see it yet. So while Orpah revealed her true heart by going back to Moab, Ruth expresses her true faith in God. In fact, God's grace is so powerful in Ruth's life that when Naomi told her to go back, Ruth replies, I can't go back. And so with tears in her eyes, Ruth responds to God's grace with an act of devotion. We already saw what Orpah did, her act of desertion. She kissed her mother-in-law and left. But we see here Ruth clung to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And this word clung, it is a powerful word. It conveys the idea of faithful loyalty and deep affection. This same word is used in Genesis 2.24 to describe the bond between a husband and wife in marriage. They leave and then cleave to one another. But it's also, this word clung, is used to describe the faithfulness which God desires of his people in response to his saving grace. In other words, just as Ruth clung to Naomi, and just as a husband and wife cling to each other in marriage, we are to cling to the Lord for our hope, especially in response to our disappointment in life. See, Ruth was glued to her mother-in-law, and nothing and no one could send her away. And so in a crescendo of devotion and determination, Ruth poured her heart out to Naomi. In fact, her words are legendary. Many people often use them for their wedding vows. But here Ruth proclaims them as a vow to her mother-in-law. But get this, ultimately they are a vow to Naomi's God, the one true living God. Look what Ruth vows in Ruth chapter 1 again. We've already read it. Let's look at it again. Verses 16 and 17. She says to Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And so we have now seen Ruth's act of devotion as she clings to her mother-in-law. And now we see her pledge of devotion. And it is amazing because what Ruth is doing here, she basically pledged to abandon all her prior allegiances and now adopt Naomi's family and faith as her own. Now, just stop right here. Because the more you ponder Ruth's words, her pledge 
of devotion to Naomi, but more importantly, to the Lord. Her words are amazing. Ruth's commitment to her mother-in-law is astonishing on several levels. First, it means leaving her own family and land. It also means a life of widowhood and childlessness because Naomi has no more sons to marry. It means going to an unknown land with, un, with an, a new people and new customs and new language. And it was also a commitment even more radical than marriage when she says, where you die, I will die and be buried. In other words, it means Ruth will never return home, not even when Naomi dies. But the most amazing commitment of all is when Ruth says, your God, Naomi, will now be my God. And, of course, we know that Naomi's God is the one true living God. It's Yahweh or Jehovah. Think about it, though. Naomi has just said prior to this in verse 13, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me, though. And so Naomi's own personal experience of the one true living God is now bitterness. But in spite of this, Ruth forsakes her religious background and makes the God of Israel her own God. Now, perhaps Ruth made that commitment years prior when perhaps maybe her husband told her of God's greatness and God's grace. We don't know. The scriptures doesn't tell us. But somehow or another, Ruth in this journey of hers, had come to trust in Naomi's God in spite of Naomi's own bitterness toward God. And so Ruth responds with this determined devotion. And how does Naomi respond to all that? She says nothing. Verse 18 simply tells us, And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Naomi finally understands. She finally sees. Ruth is determined. And nothing, not even death itself, will separate her from Naomi. And at the center of it all, at the center of her devotion to Naomi is a devotion to, don't miss it, Naomi's God. So with Ruth was her decision, Ruth's decision, to follow Naomi and to follow her God worth it. Absolutely. It's always worth it to follow God. It's always worth it to trust God. Why? Because God is at work in the worst of times. And so you could say, Ruth, about this point in her life, she is at the bottom of the barrel. It couldn't get any worse for her. But that's where she found grace at work in her life. Ruth found grace at the bottom of the barrel. In fact, I just want to highlight five things that she found. First of all, she found a new direction in life. You see, in the land of Moab, Ruth was wandering and straying in the paths of false religion and false gods. She had gone from one religious experience to another, and yet her life was still empty. But now she knows that there is peace and blessing, contentment and joy to be found by following the God of Israel. And so she testifies that she has found a new direction in her life and that this is where she is going to walk. It may take her to a new land with difficulties. It may take her to a new home 
with experiences that she has never dreamt of, but that is the road that she is going to walk. I am determined, she says, to follow the one true living God no matter what. Second, she found a new place to belong. Now, generally speaking, I think most people want, in fact, we desire, we crave a place to belong. This is one reason why Starbucks is so popular. Well, at least in pre-COVID days it was. There's a reason the same group of people hang out at Starbucks to talk over coffee. In many ways, Starbucks is where they find community. It's their place to belong. This is what Ruth found with Naomi and Naomi's people. She found a place to belong. Except there is one huge difference. God's presence was dwelling with God's people in God's land. And that is why she wanted to be with Naomi and with her people in the land of Judah. Because she knew that's where she would find the Lord and His blessing. Now today, we don't live in the Old Testament. We are not the people of Israel. We're the church In the church is God's answer for our need for a place to belong. And so if you're looking for a place to belong, a place where God's presence dwells, then gather together with God's people. Now, might I also just stop and say that in the midst of this pandemic, this is also why quote, online services will never be a replacement, at least for LifeBridge, for on-site services. Yes, we understand the need to do what we're doing even right now with this live stream. Why? Because we can't gather in person right yet. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Our government has put restrictions in place for the safety of people, and we understand that. But this is not the ideal. Online platform, this is not church, by the way. This is simply the communication of God's word. And we're glad to have music even involved with it. But this is not the ideal for God's people. This is just a temporary alternative. And we're grateful for it. Oh, how we're grateful for it. But virtual services as a permanent replacement for gathering together in person would be disastrous for our spiritual health as Christ followers. Why? Because there are some things you just can't replace with a screen and a Wi-Fi connection. We are created and we are redeemed by the blood of Christ for face-to-face, in-person community with other Christ followers. And oh, I look forward to the day when we can gather again together for worship of our Lord and Savior. And we are making plans. We're talking about that. We're waiting for our mayor to increase the the capacity for indoor gatherings. And, And so we're hoping and praying that that will come soon, possibly in June even. And so we're monitoring that, and we're proceeding with caution as we consider all these things. And so please pray with us that God would give us wisdom on myself and our leadership team. Ruth also found a new people to love. When Ruth told Naomi, your people shall be my people, she said that from her heart, even though she didn't even know these people yet. 
She was a stranger to these people. And at this point, they were strangers to her. And yet she loved them. And what's interesting is that a Moabite was always considered a Moabite wherever they lived. And indeed, Ruth is referred throughout the whole story of the book here as Ruth the Moabite. But from Ruth's point of view, she is now becoming an Israelite by joining herself to God and his people. You go to the New Testament and there in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, John the Apostle tells us that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the people in God's family. So a good question to ask ourselves is, do we love God's people? And before you just bluntly say yes, you know, ponder that. How do you know? We know Ruth loved God's people. She found a new people to love and wanted a place to among them. But think about it. How can we say we love God if we don't love the people of God that he redeemed? True, God's people can be awfully hard to love. Maybe you're married to one. Maybe you have kids. Believe me, they're hard to love sometimes. Even though we love them in spite of their sin, our spouses, we love them in spite of that. It's no different for the family of God. When we gather together, listen, God's people can be awfully hard to love at times. Why? Because we are sinful creatures. We are selfish and sinful. We are prideful. We are stubborn. And we even smell of hypocrisy at times. That's all of us. And yet, those who profess to love God will say with Ruth, your people will be my people. And then number four, Ruth found a new God to worship. A new God to worship. Remember, Ruth grew up worshiping the false gods of the Moabites, but now she has found the one true living God of the Israelites to worship. And we learned last Sunday, the God who is great is both gracious and good. And what Ruth seems to have learned is that the God of Israel accepts people regardless of their background. Aren't you thankful for that? That is still true today. So no matter where you come from, no matter what your ethnicity may be, no matter what your cultural background might be, when we humbly repent of our sin and we come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, we are accepted by God the Father into his eternal family. And to that we say, hallelujah, praise God. Number four, Ruth found a new peace in her heart. Ruth tells Naomi, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. In other words, not even death could fill her heart with fear. The prospect of dying and being buried in Judah was not something for her to fear anymore. In fact, she was actually more afraid of going back to Moab than facing death in Judah. Ruth knew that when the time came for her to die, man, she would rest her head on the pillow of God's promises. And that is the hope that we as Christ followers have. That's what Paul's referring to in the New testament we have this blessed hope we have a hope that goes beyond what this world understands even when it comes to death and 
Man, just think about that. We're in the midst of a pandemic where people are dying. We're close to 90,000 deaths here in America, depending on what they say. It doesn't seem they can even count those correctly now. But nonetheless, there are a lot of people who have died and gone into eternity. And so there are 90,000 families who are grieving the loss of their loved ones. And if they have died without faith in Jesus Christ, they are grieving without hope. But we who know Jesus Christ, when it comes to death, we don't grieve without hope. We grieve with hope. Why? Because we claim the promises of God and his word. And that makes all the difference in the world. And so we don't fret and we don't live in a spirit of fear when it comes to the risk of death even. It's a serious thing to die. But it's even more serious to die without the peace of God in your heart. To die without knowing where you will spend eternity. The Bible tells us that people who know Christ as their Savior have a living hope even in death. According to 1 Peter 1, 3. And I love what Job says in Job 19, 25 and 26. I know that my Redeemer lives. And even after my skin is destroyed, in my flesh I will see God. This is amazing. I love this little book here of Ruth. Four chapters long is all 85 verses. And it is packed powerfully full of God's truth and promises for our lives. Even in the midst, especially in the midst of this pandemic. Ruth was at the bottom of her barrel, and that's where she found grace at work in her life. And so we might say it this way, Ruth is proof. She's proof of what? She's proof that God is neither distant nor dead, but is at work in the worst of times to accomplish his purposes for our good and ultimately for his glory. Ruth's conversion. It is evidence of God's sovereign grace at work. Think about it. Everything within her, everything around her presented obstacles to her faith. And yet Ruth trusted God with all her life. Her background was against her. Ruth was from Moab, where they worshiped false gods. Ruth's circumstances were certainly against her. She was now a widow without any support. She could have said to herself, if this is the way God treats his people, then why follow him? Even her mother-in-law was against her. Naomi tried to urge Ruth to return to her family and false gods in Moab. But God does what? He intervened and graciously saved Ruth in spite of all these obstacles. And don't tell me what God can't do. God can do anything in his grace. Nothing is impossible with God. Oh, how God delights in showing his grace and goodness to people when we turn to them in faith. And how often he shows it to the least likely people in the least likely places. Let me tell you, Ruth is proof that God is not dead nor distant. God is at work in the worst of times in order to accomplish his purposes. And so in light of God working in Ruth's life, In the worst of times, how should we now respond to our own disappointments in life? Because the reality is, we live in a sin-filled, fallen world. 
And none of us are immune to disappointments. And so how are you going to respond? And how you respond will determine your walk with the Lord. It will even determine whether you turn away from him and perhaps turn for the good. I mean, for, you know, for the rest of your life. Or you can choose to be like Ruth and turn to God and trust him. Finding grace at the bottom of the barrel, look at it. Respond to your disappointments in life with faith in God that sees beyond your present bitter setbacks. Respond with trust in God that sometimes defies the conventional logic and reasoning of our world and our culture. Listen, if God is at work in the worst of times, then get this. Trusting God, then, with our lives is the most sensible thing we can do, regardless of the circumstances. To try to direct our own lives and to manipulate our own circumstances according to our conventional wisdom, listen, that is the most foolish thing that we can do in life. I love what God reminds us. He tells us in Jeremiah 29, 1, a famous verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. But I even love more what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. So what does that mean? simply means we need to stop right now where you're sitting, at home, perhaps on the couch, maybe at your desk, maybe in your room, you're by yourself, watching on a phone, iPad, maybe you got it cast to your TV, wherever you are. It means we need to simply pause and stop, and we need to ask ourselves, am I more like Orpa or am I more like Ruth? Right now, your life, do I identify with Orpah or do I identify with Ruth? What characterizes my life now? Listen, like Orpah and Ruth, there was nothing kosher about us when we were born. Because of our sin nature, we were objects of God's wrath. As Paul put in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, get this, without any hope we were outside of god's grace we were alienated from him and so we all by by being born into sin and by choosing sin we need to be saved we need to turn to the living god we need to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of god like orpah and ruth we cannot simply slide into God's kingdom. We cannot expect just to automatically have eternal life just because I may be born in this country or born into that family or I happen to go to church or attend a church or even listen to a live stream. It doesn't work like that. We must respond to the grace of God working in our hearts. And we must respond by faith to God's goodness and grace in Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to repent of our sin, and we need to humbly come before him and cry out, Save me, Lord. 
I put my full faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I am full of disappointments, but I know you are working in the midst of it all. And I know that because all I have to do is look at the cross where you proved your love for me above imagination. Have you ever come to that point in your life where you have accepted Jesus Christ by faith and received him as your Savior and King and then begin to follow him, not perfectly, but by grace as well. Listen, I plead with you to choose the way of Ruth, which is the way of faith in Jesus Christ. Or, yes, you have the option. You can continue the way of Orpah, which is really the way of emptiness. The choice is yours. How will you respond to disappointment in life? Know this, the grace of God is at work, even in the worst of times. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray? Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you for your goodness and grace once again. We confess we don't always understand your ways and what you are doing. Even in this pandemic, it's hard to fathom what you are doing and just what your will is in the midst of it all. So, Lord, help us to trust you and to respond to disappointments in life with faith in you, trusting you no matter what. Help us to see that you are always at work in the worst of times to accomplish your purposes. And may we choose the way of Ruth in our own lives. May we respond by faith to the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, our mission here at LifeBridge is truly, it's really, our heart's desire is to bridge the gap and to do so with the gospel of Jesus Christ because we believe that's the greatest thing, that is the essential thing that people need in their lives. It's the hope that is found in the gospel, the life that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins that is found. And so our desire is to see people to trust Jesus as their Savior and to begin to follow him as their king. And if you need help in that process, that journey, man, fill out the online connection card. Let us know, perhaps, that you're making that decision, that you're trusting for the first time, or maybe you're already a Christ follower, but, man, pray for me in this disappointment in my life, in this journey, I'm struggling. And so fill out the online connection card so we might be of help to you. Also, one way that you can just help our church in general here at LifeBridge, is, is by just your ongoing faithfulness to give. And so many of you are doing that. Uh, you know, during the midst of this pandemic, this is our ninth Sunday not to meet in person. And, uh, and because of your generosity, our giving has really maintained. We have not dipped whatsoever. In fact, it is unbelievable. Our giving has actually increased a little bit throughout all this. And so thank you so, so much for just your faithfulness, your trust in the Lord as he provides for you. And yet, at the same time, we understand that some of you may not be in a position where you can give maybe as much as you used to or maybe even give it all. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you are in need of some help. And if that's you, man, let us know. 
If you need some food help, if you need some financial assistance, reach out to us. If you can fill out the online connection card. We want you to know LifeBridge Cares. We are here to serve you as a church family. And even if you're outside of our church family, we want to help you in any way we can too. And so reach out to us, connect with us, and let us, you know, be a, uh, you know, a bridge to you in which we can bridge the grace of God into your life. I hope you will join us online again next Sunday as we continue in the book of Ruth. In the meantime, this week, man, stay strong in the Lord.